Welcome back to the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the phone from Miami, Florida by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going today? It is going, man. It's, you know, it's sunshine and rainbows. How are you? Good, good. And then just two days after being in Austin, Texas, myself with this man, Nick Kruger, uh, joining us. Nick, how are you? Everybody, here's Nick! Man, so good. I'm talking to you on these nice new headphones I just found laying around my house that plug into the bottom of my iPhone. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I, I came back from Austin a little worse for the wear in terms of uh, missing uh, electronics, missing clothing items. So uh, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, let's, well, first we want to remind everyone, of course, subscribe on iTunes. I know I picked up a lot of new subscribers this weekend at the uh, bachelor party I was, I was at as I made everyone subscribe on their phone. So uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, leave us a review uh, if you do go on iTunes. And then, of course, you can tweet us at Rivals Podcast or email us Rivals Podcast at yahoo.com. Now, the big news of the week, it's uh, interesting always when recruiting crosses over into the mainstream of college football. And this week, everyone was talking about the early signing period. It appears to be uh, go. I think we were saying it has one more hurdle to clear, but uh, everyone expecting it to be approved. This would give kids a chance to sign in mid-December, which uh, will give me extra work to do while I'm at the Shrine Bowl, so that'll be fun. Um, but it gives them a chance, kids that are committed or anybody, I guess, who wants to sign can sign at that time, even if they're not enrolling early. Um, Gents, I guess we'll start with, with you, Rob. You're the, you're the, the veteran of the, the trio here. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your take are you you happy you sad indifferent i mean are we i personally think we're set up for a, for a little bit of a nightmare but i'll talk about that in a minute so what, what do you think like, i definitely see where you're coming from um there's definitely nightmare potential here but anytime that like some of these coaches have to be held accountable for the things they do and say uh i get a little bit excited and they're gonna have to watch it with some of these early offers right because <laughs> now you don't have six months after a kid commits to, uh, you know, send him elsewhere. You know, what if he signs in that early signing period? You know, granted, it's only two months early, but I think we used to see in the month leading up to signing day, a lot of these people get processed, as they call it, and they end up at smaller schools and other schools with the scholarships not available. Uh, now, you know, at least to some extent, and obviously they're still going to make offers two years in advance that they won't end up honoring. Um, but to some extent, it'll, it'll cause them to have to think a little bit before they accept these commitments. Yeah, and here's why I think here's why I said we're we're headed for a nightmare. It's interesting because we're following basketball recruiting just a little bit based on uh, our job, and you see all these tweets constantly of, "Oh, this kid's been released from his letter of intent, and this kid's been released from his letter of intent." Now they're switching schools uh, because mostly tied to, to coaching changes. The, December fifteenth is just the the start, really, of of uh, a lot of coaching moves. I'm trying to remember when when some of the biggest hires have been made in in years past. I know some of them have gone past the bowl games and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see what happens with kids who sign and then there's a coaching change and they want out. Or is football going to take the route of basketball and start letting kids out? And then if they do that. What's to stop that from happening after National Signing Day when we see a flurry of assistant coach changes? Um, I don't know. I personally, a lot, a lot of people think, oh, it's good for the kids. It gets them locked into their spot, and it is good for some. And I, you know, but I do think there's a there's a large amount of kids out there that are that are going to say, eh, you know, I'm just going to wait. And uh, we did a story on it a few times. Uh, a lot of the kids actually didn't even know about it. Like most of the topics we asked them about, they were like, what? There's an early, it, it's, there's a potential for an early signing period. I'm just going to wait anyway. So 
Uh, Nick, what do you think? I mean, I, I guess it can be good, but I, you know, I'm I don't I don't really see like this huge need for it, especially because I think it's just going to end up with a lot of kids uh, waiting, especially the highly ranked, uh, uncommitted kids. I, you know, I think to your point about the getting released from letters of intent and stuff. I mean, relative to basketball, that would just be a nightmare in football, right? Because you know, in basketball, you're only talking about a you know, select number of recruits year in and year out football. It's, you know, it's three times that, you know, when we first started talking about all this a long time ago, uh, about who, who it might've benefited most. And that's kind of, uh, I suppose we'll call them like mid-major schools, right. With, you know, schools that, um, you know, need to maybe have an in with like a high three star early before anybody else does get, gets them in that class. And that, and, you know, and that's a good get for them generally. Um, you know, I, I think just, and I don't have any, uh, facts or figures to back this up, but I just feel like the coaching turnover in, in those ranks is, uh, also less frequent than what we see at the high, uh, FBS level too. So, um, you know, so I, I don't know, maybe the impact isn't going to be quite as dramatic as, you know, we've been talking about in those kinds of scenarios. I mean, what do you think a reasonable signing class size after the early signing period would be of, of signees, like, you know, four or five kids, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I don't know, and I, I'll be curious to see if a lot of schools tell kids to hold off if they're thinking about dumping them, <laughs> which I think is another thing. This is actually going to make it easier for schools to cut bait with kids they don't want because they just won't send them the letter. Um, so instead of a kid getting dumped a week before signing day, he's going to get dumped in mid-December. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess so, so. So you're saying you think most teams will sign 20 guys in December and then and then they will sign five more in... No, no, I think he's saying the opposite, and I, I agree with him. I think that you'll only see five or six guys sign in December, I think. Uh, I think you'll see the guys that they know. I mean, the mutual interest here, A, the kid has to know that's where he wants to go. B, the school has to know they want to take him, and I think you know that's going to weed out more guys than we think. I think that uh, even some guys that are in the top 250 maybe and on the fringes aren't in that category, really, uh, for certain schools. You know, Is Alabama going to want to take the number 200 player in the country in the early signing period when there's a chance that maybe the number five player in the country will sign with them in the late signing period. I don't think the big name schools are going to have big classes, but I think you'll see the UTSAs and, you know, the Tulsa's and Toledo's of the world maybe take big early signing classes. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess it's going to be, it'll be fun for us. I mean, for our perspective, it's going to give us a, an extra week of heavy traffic <laughs> in mid-December. So, you know, uh, that's going to be key for us as uh, we all know that I keep the page view standings updated and uh, it's going to be a race to the finish at the close of the calendar year. So that's something. But uh, I personally, I've always thought they should have just moved signing day back just a little bit into mid-February and accept the, the you know, the whole uh, circus that it is. I mean, we hear about, you know, every year, oh, it's getting worse and worse. Well, it's like, I mean, do we say that about the NBA draft? No. <laughs> like, who cares? And a lot of the kids are the same age. That's what people don't realize. A lot of these kids that are going to be that are signing are already 19, which is the same age as the kids that are getting drafted into the NBA. So, um, personally, personally, I, I'm not a big advocate for it. I think it'll be tweaked. I'm sure uh, once some of these issues pop up, that's that's just gonna how it's gonna work out. I just I don't. I don't know. I think there's always tweaks to be made. And I, honestly, I think a lot of the coaches, even like, you know, the Urban Myers and Nick Sabins of the world, they like to they like it to be later because they're still playing. They're still practicing in that time. They don't want to be taking time away from bowl prep or college football playoff prep or whatever to be trying to lock down recruits in mid-December. So I, I don't know. I think uh, I still think we're going to see some changes. 
All right, we'll move on. Big week for Ohio State. Our, our boy Max Ray committing at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. Speaking of getting those page views, um, <laughs> really picked the peak media cycle to release that commitment. And then Josh Proctor, who had just told me 10 days ago that Texas was recruiting him the hardest. Lo and behold, he commits to Ohio State. So two of these guys out of state. Uh, first, Ray from the state of Tennessee was committed to Georgia at one point. SEC schools wanted him, Alabama, LSU. Uh, he leaves for Ohio State, and then Proctor goes to Ohio State. Nick, we can start with Proctor. Were you surprised? Because, I mean, the Oklahoma fans, when I posted that thing about Texas, were were really on my case about it because they were assuming he was going there. So did, did it shock you that he ended up committing to Ohio State? I suppose a little bit is somebody, you know, he's, he's obviously uh, in our friend Josh Helmholtz region. So I haven't been following his recruitment as closely as, uh, as, as some others. But, you know, obviously it's a shock when, you know, when Oklahoma is involved with an in-state kid for him to look the, you know, look the other, another direction. And especially to Ohio State, which is a school who's uh, not, not in very good favor with Oklahoma fans after this past season. So that's also that's also a little bit of a stinger there. But go, going back to what you said about him saying Texas was recruiting him the hardest, you know, uh, just kind of just another point proven of how many grains of salt you need to take all these interviews that we do, do with these kids, right? Yeah, well, don't don't tell that to some people at this company. Uh, right, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Man, uh, you can get me started now, guys. You know, I feel like this was done to get me all fired up. It's, I mean, if, that, what, if that's what, the direction I, he was going in interviews, I'm almost glad I didn't have to cover him and, and have to make the prediction that, yeah. you know, where he was going to be committing, right? Well, One of these days, the people that read these updates are going to realize, maybe they already have and we just don't give them enough credit for being smart, that 95% of what these kids say is all just whatever comes to their mind that day on that moment at that camp, they're just going to say it. <laughs> that's why, that's why they pay us the big bucks to uh, read between. Well, no, the, I mean, the news, the news the lines, comes in. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's reading between the lines and going through back channels with coaches uh, and trainers and these handler types at colleges. That's the stuff that matters. Uh, these kids. And I understand that they don't want people to know what they're thinking because they like the big announcement. They like the drama. Uh, I get that. When I was that age, if I was a high school recruit, I would have done the same thing. But that doesn't mean that it means anything. Like It, it certainly doesn't. What's even funnier about this is uh, Woody's interview with Josh Proctor and him saying that Texas is, is his leader wasn't even the most controversial interview that he did at that <laughs> camp. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been a connecting story. Yeah, it's been all types of shots fired at me via, via Twitter from uh, various Texas people not liking what they told me. What they said to me, which I could care, I couldn't care less. Come about. on, didn't you get yourself? Well, didn't you get yourself you into, into it? <laughs> he got himself into a similar situation in Los Angeles too, where people were mad at him about what a kid told him. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, the kid, kid, kid says, "I'm visiting this place." I write, "Kid told me he's visiting this place," and then there's complaints about that I that I wrote that. So. Um, <laughs> At least, at least, at least the one in LA wasn't wasn't from the kid himself. Uh, it was it was actually from uh, from somebody else. So anyway, getting back to the Buckeyes because I'm sure their fans are already tuning out here on this part of the podcast. Max Ray, you know, he's an interesting guy. Some people think he's a think he's a top fifty kid. He's in the Army All American game. I don't know. You know, I'm a little dubious on him. I want to see him. He, he came to the underclassmen challenge last summer and and uh, was said he was having back spasms. So uh, 
<laughs> that, that affected his performance a little bit. Now he's got a, he's missed a lot of camps this offseason with the torn or with the something, a, a knee injury, a minor knee injury, not like an ACL or anything like that. But Rob will be up in uh, Nashville to hopefully check him out uh, the weekend of April 30th with our boy Michael Vick. We'll see, though, if he actually works out at that event because he, I have not seen him work out an event uh, despite going to Nashville several times over the past year. So uh, either way, it's a big win. If you look at it from, we, we always sort of, we've, we sort of battle that about, okay, you know, if you're a fan, you obviously want the highest ranked players possible, but you, you also want your team to steal guys away from other schools. The bottom line is Alabama would have taken his commitment. They don't get it. He ends up going to Ohio state. And I think this will be his last commitment. More importantly, his brother, Jake, uh, who's a very good prospect who uh, I would imagine is probably going to follow in Max's footsteps wherever he does end up signing. So big win there for the Buckeyes. They keep killing it out of state. So nice job by them. Now, Nick, now it's Texas time. Uh, Casey Thompson, which is another kid from Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah, with the most Oklahoma name in the history of the world. Of course, uh, mentored by friend of the podcast, Tony Ballard, uh, who's backpedaling in laughter right now as we speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He commits to Texas, which that came together pretty quickly. If you, I remember when he picked up the offer, it seems like, and, and I know he liked Clemson a lot, obviously never had that opportunity, but uh, his brother played at Oklahoma. So that adds a little bit to this whole uh, rivalry. And then Byron Hobbs also commits to Texas. So, uh, when I was out there, we, we, we talked about writing a story about their slow start to recruiting. Now it seems to be picking up. you think they've got some momentum rolling now uh, in Austin, especially after I came to visit? Yeah, I think they do. And I, I, what I wrote about in some other thing uh, <laughs> in, the, in the last week or so is it's important that both these guys, uh, both Byron and Casey, were, were both uh, invitees to the last Junior Day event that uh, Texas has had. And, you know, we've talked we've had discussions about, you know, how effective uh, Coach Herman has been as a recruiter, uh, you know, wh- when he's had kids sitting in front of him. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how that affected the signing day uh, in 2017. But now here we go. We're getting guys on campus. Both these both these guys were here for uh, we're in Austin for a visit. And then, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, commit to Texas. So I think, you know, sort of that, you know, those questions that you and uh, that we all had here on this podcast, maybe starting to get dispelled a little bit, obviously, uh, too, there's also some rumors of some silent commitments in this class as well. So uh, there might be a little bit more to uh, than meets the eye at the moment. But yeah, I think I think it's safe to say that Texas is starting to to get its foothold uh, on the recruiting front here. Well, we know how much Rob hates uh, Tom Herman. So <laughs> not that I, I don't hate Tom Herman. I, I, see, this is a narrative that's been created on this podcast. I actually spoke with Tom Herman this morning. Um, he's a fine coach. I just I don't know that. Uh, I will back off my stance of this might not be the slam dunk hire that everybody thinks it is when they win 10 games. It doesn't have to be this year. In the next three years, if they win 10 games, I will come on this podcast and say Tom Herman is the best coach in the history of football, and I am a peasant that should be licking the dirt off the bottom of his shoe. But I, I just don't. I don't think they're going to win ten games. Did you do that for? Uh, did you do that for James Franklin yet? I forgot. What was? <laughs> was he? Did we have a ten game rule on him too? No, we never. I, I never. I don't think I ever said anything. Anything inflammatory about James Franklin on this podcast? Oh yeah, at least on the podcast. Well, so anyway, I think <clears throat> getting back to getting back to Thompson, I like him. I mean, he's he's a little short, and that seems to be the knock on him. But he's about the same height as 
uh, Shane Buchel, right, Nick? Don't you say? I don't know if you were. Well, we saw Thompson well, at Prime Twenty One. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think I think I think Buchel might be the tallest of the three when you're talking about uh, him. Buchel. Uh, I'm sorry, Buchel Ellinger. Who? Oh, who Ellinger was who him. I was thinking of. Yeah. 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 So so um, Thompson, I think if 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 I you know, based on my eyeball testing and uh, remembering from from seeing both in person, I think Ellinger's a you know a smidge taller than Thompson. But I think the important thing to keep in mind with Thompson too is, you know, you look at maybe you look at him and compare him more to uh, like a Greg Ward Jr. from what we saw at Houston this past season and what uh, Herman and company were able to do with you know with a shorter quarterback there. So you know Thompson has a real nice throw. You know we've seen him in a few events, not not ours <laughs> in Dallas as he was invited to, but but some other events that, uh, over the past couple of off seasons. Throws a nice ball, and you know if you can find a way to make the height thing not work against you, then he's as good a, a quarterback signee as, or commitment as any right now. Yeah, that, that's something that factors into the rankings when you look at the height thing in terms of you know, down the road, you know, because obviously we're, we're trying to say a five-star is a guy who's going to be a first-round NFL pick. But, you know, a, a high four-star or a, a five-eight four-star, which I think Thompson is, that's a solid addition. And that's what you want to do in every class with your Texas trying to rebuild things. And like you said, he should fit well into that scheme. Now, Nebraska, uh, we've been dying to talk about the Huskers on here uh, because we love their fan base so much. They get four commitments from the spring game. This on the heels of uh, me writing a story about how hard they're trying to recruit the state of Texas. They go ahead and get uh, Brendan Radley Hiles, who who I've mixed up his name several times with Hiles Radley and or <laughs> Hadley Riles. Anyway, he's he goes to IMG Academy originally from California, and then uh, Manny Allen, his cousin, I believe. Uh, they're all kin out there in California. He he commits as well. Two four stars. They get uh, Beeson, who's a 2019 kid, who, who a lot of people think is going to be a four star. Huge weekend for the Huskers. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you because you know technically uh, Radley Howes is from down there. Did this did this take you by surprise? And impress you with the with with the way Nebraska has been able to do, especially recruiting from coast to coast now. Well, no, technically, Hiles is from the, the West Coast. He's just down here uh, to be. Yeah, well, I'll handle his scouting, but you, you handle his recruitment. <laughs> yeah. So he's at IMG. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's an extension of what they've. I mean, you can look at it as an extension of what they've done in California, right? I mean, it's kind of just moving into where he's from. Uh, I guess he's. Is he originally from Las Vegas? I know he was at Gorman for a yeah, while. Yeah, I think he's from he Las was at IMG. Vegas. Maybe. I don't okay. Know. Who knows? Because yeah, well, all that, those yeah, everything west of the Mississippi is basically the same state. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's, that's um, exactly so he's, right. He's, he's he's from there. Uh, he's going to school here. And yeah, I guess it surprised me a little bit because just when you think the the Nebraska momentum is really kind of peaked, and I figured it peaked, you know, with the Lindsay and everything else that happened last year. Um, I guess they didn't get Tajon, did they? No, they did. They didn't. They did. Okay, they did. That's when I kind of thought it peaked. I thought maybe all right, this is a one off. Um, Nebraska is still going to be a better recruiting school, but maybe they're not going to recruit like this every year. Uh, and then it just keeps continuing. You know, it's, you know, they got a little bit of a the Miami syndrome going where it's really seeming to compound on itself. And everybody loves the Nebraska spring game too. Uh, that's, you know, they have one of the more well-attended uh, spring games. It's more of a celebration than other school spring games, really. It's really something to behold up there. They set out that whole stadium for spring football. Uh, and I think that really catches kids' eyes. So on the heels of that, it's pretty easy to get these commitments, I think. Well, maybe not easy, but easier, even though this one, I guess, had been in the works for a while, uh, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was something that was coming, but even so, for it to finally come through is is huge. And he's a, he's an interesting guy because I know when I talked to some people about him that that some people thought he might not be a take at certain places. But I, you and I saw him at a seven on seven tournament uh, in February, and I had seen him in last, Orlando. Yeah, right in Orlando, and I, I thought seen, he was great. Right, I had seen him last summer, and to say, I mean, he got he had gotten bigger and stronger, and more importantly, playing with that. Uh, the edge that that you need to, to play at the corner position. I, I really I really like him. Um, you know, he he reminds me of a better version of Jemias Williams, a much better version. <laughs> if, uh, who ended up signing with South Carolina? I think he's more of a pure DB, not just an athlete trying to play DB. So so that was a huge pickup. And then Nick, you you we we mentioned that story I wrote about them pushing to Texas. That it's it's paying off as well. The Texas kids. Why do you think they're they're attracted to Nebraska? I mean, obviously, selfishly, we want to say that Adidas has something to do with that, and I don't know how much we can say say about that or not. <laughs> um, but what do you think? Boy, that was that was a real leap. Well, so well, the situation with Marquez Beeson is uh, he goes to uh, Bishop Dunn High School in Dallas, and and we saw Damian Daniels, who was a high three star, I think, might have been the highest three star in the state uh, last year. Sign uh, sign with. Uh, Nebraska, Chevin Callaway was involved with Nebraska, as you'll recall, last year. So, uh, you know, there's there's been a there's been a personal connection that they've been able to make through some of the other players. I know Calvin Avery and uh, I believe Brian Williams, both uh, four star teammates of Marquez Beeson, also went on that uh, spring game trip. So, you know, so they so they've really with 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 their efforts in Texas. I mean, to get to get their hooks into a school like Bishop Dunn, which uh, you know does a pretty good job of uh, finding talent year in and year out on its roster, you know that's that's really a strong move for them. Beeson's uh, going to be their basically their go-to offensive weapon, and he's quick to remind me that he's a monster on defense too. So, you know, I'm not sure what the plan is going forward for him. Should the commitment stick with Nebraska? But uh, in the meantime, you know, he's he's a great way to kick off their 2019 class. Now, what's interesting is what I found talking to the kids is a lot of them mentioned Mike Riley and. You know, I've had interactions with him personally dating back to my childhood. Uh, Rob, you've had him on the podcast with us here before, and uh, he also came on during National Signing Day. Do you think his approach, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a real nice guy. I mean, do you think his, his selling, his approach is, is really paying off and, and maybe it's his personality that's kind of put the stamp on these efforts with, with what they've been able to do? I think he's got he's got a really nice staff in place too. Uh, I think it helps that you know him. He's always been really welcoming to me and, and yourself as well. I think, and you know that's probably how we treat recruits. But you know, it, it's not when Nebraska's going. That fan base really helps sell itself. If you've got a nice guy who that fan base embraces, that has some semblance of success, what sets Nebraska apart from everybody else is is the way the fans treat it up there. You're the only show in town, but you're not the only show in town, even in the sense of like Alabama, where you still have Auburn in the backyard. You are, there's no pro sports in Nebraska. They treat that that football team like the only thing that exists in the world. Uh, and that's why you see that giant stadium being sold out for spring games. A lot of major programs don't sell out their programs for spring games. So we use the term rabid fan base and we use it about any number of schools. You know, we use it about LSU and we use it about Texas and we use it about... Nebraska is kind of in a league of its own, and I think that's the selling point. I think if you have the right coach that understands that this is what I have to sell, my brand is this fan base, uh, and Riley really does push push that and pushes that and pushes that in a way that uh, maybe Pliny did not and people Callahan certainly did not. 
I think that's where you've seen some results here, you know, like especially in California. You do not have that kind of fan interaction in California at any of those schools. Say whatever you want about USC or UCLA. They are very laissez-faire. They don't have a, a excited attitude towards football. And when you're coming from that environment and you see what's going on in Lincoln, Nebraska, that's a selling point and maybe one that we don't give enough credit to, I think. Yeah, I, I think that is worth noting. I think uh, the the change in personalities, too, has a lot to do with, with how the fans have – have embraced Riley as well. I mean, when he was hired, I remember thinking, you know, it's kind of a weird hire considering his age and, and seemed like he was winding down at, at Oregon State. And actually, Oregon State was kind of happy to see him go, which I'm, I'm sure they don't feel that way anymore considering uh, the couple yeah. of seasons that they've had. But uh, it's kind of like in the NBA, you know, when you have a player's coach and then he gets fired and you bring in Scott Skiles, uh, as, as Nick's uh, Orlando Magic found out. You know, you bring in a tough-nosed guy. When, I mean, you've got a kind of a grump like uh, Pelini. What does that say when Skiles just quits like that on the on the <laughs> yeah. team? You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you describing you describing Pelini as kind of a grump is like the nicest way anybody has ever yeah. said that. Yeah, so. I, I've got a great. Bo Pelini screamed in my face once at Big Twelve Media Day. Um, I had asked him; he had just been hired at Nebraska, or no, Bill Snyder had just come back at K State, and I was covering K State at the time. And I really like went up to Pelini afterwards, and you know we were talking just fine. He was being nice, whatever. And I was like, just a couple quick questions. He's like, fine, all right. So we did the interview, and it was going well. And I'd asked him about something that had happened when he was an assistant at Nebraska, where him and Bill had run up the score against them, I think. And he had mf'd Bill on national television, uh, screamed at him like whatever. And I asked him about that moment, and he was just like, "That's ancient history," and he's just like yelling at me in front of people, like. A, a number of other reporters. It was it was it was quite a time. <laughs> well, I uh, <laughs> I wish I would have been there to see that. Unfortunately, at the SEC <laughs> at the SEC media day, it's a dream that would never come true to ever actually get to talk to a coach one on one when there's thousands <laughs> of booger eaters there from Touchdown Alabama magazine and other uh, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm impressed with Nebraska. Great job by the Huskers, and uh, we got to get we got to get our boy uh, Buki on the podcast. So we might try to make that happen uh, next time we go down to IMG uh, because he's got a good personality. See what he has to say. So we, I'm we headed down there in a few weeks, so maybe I'll make that happen. Oh, you're not you're not banned from campus. No, only oh, only one man is banned from campus. Well, somebody works for another company. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, getting back to some of these rule changes, uh, Rob, you you added this to the rundown. I believe the rule passed against uh, hiring uh, people close to recruits for non or for off field positions, and I I'm not sure, but I think it might be retroactive to the 2017 class. I'm going to do some research on that, but basically, the days of hiring an uncle or a dad or whatever to, to work as an analyst or even a high school coach. Uh, so you can then get the, the commitment from the kid passes. I think it's a stupid rule. Um, you know, because a lot of times relationships are developed. We saw a guy like Bobby Bentley go from being a college coach to then being a high school coach. And then he gets a job at Auburn in a, in an analyst role and then when, Mil when Will Muschamp goes to South Carolina, he hires him to be an on-field coach. So, uh, you know, if this rule had been in place, who knows what would have happened with that. And his son is, is the quarterback there now. So, Rob, what's your take? You added it here. I, I'm against it, and I think the coaches are actually going to get rid of it after about one year. But, but what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm against it too. And I, you know, I got a story coming on it. Uh, it'll probably be out on Friday. I spent this morning talking to some Big 12 coaches about it. They all like the spirit of the rule, which I don't know why, but they think it's it's going to be a disaster. Um, the, the coaches aren't like, you know how high school coaches usually work these on-campus camps. They can't do that anymore if they have recruitable student athletes, which is going to really kind of hurt these camps, I think. But, you know, the reason this was put in place is to stop. I don't think so much as the hires on the support staffs because, you know, who cares? But I think they're trying to stop these things that happen and you and I and Nick all know that this happens where they will pay a high school coach $200,000 to work a camp. But it's understood that you bring these 10 players uh, and you're really getting paid to bring these kids on visits, but it's under the guise of working our camp. So it's all above board, you know, that's what they're trying to get rid of, I think. And they will get rid of that, but uh, they will also get rid of some very good things. Like if you look at guys like Devin Bush at Michigan, um, you know, they hired his dad, his dad was a proven high school coach. Uh, did they hire him in order to get Devin? I'm sure, partly. But it's not like he was some bum off the street. Now, this is a guy that won a state championship at Flanagan. Uh, and what they're going to end up doing is hurting the upward mobility of high school coaches, I think. This definitely does not help the careers of high school coaches that want to have uh, a career in college coaches. Think about Ke think about Kevin Wright at IMG. He can, and everybody on that IMG staff cannot go anywhere now because every kid on that team is a recruitable student athlete. They're all going D1. How many colleges don't recruit IMG? They're stuck. They can't go to a college now because they have all those kids on the team. Uh, and there are going to be a lot of cases like that at power schools, like at Gorman and Aquinas. You're really handcuffing these guys. Uh, and you know, it's there's going to be a lot of fallout that I think unintended consequences here uh, to a rule that is probably fair in spirit, but is just going to end up being a disaster. Yeah, I, I think I think exactly what you said. I mean, <laughs> if you're a good co high school coach, you're going to have good players on your team. Now, the key is, I guess you have to be really good and become an on-field coach. Um, but at the same time, those jobs aren't easy to come by. So, I, you know, guess what? The same thing, working the camps. How do you think, you know, if I'm a high school coach and I tell my wife, hey, you know, Alabama really wants me to bring these four kids from my school out there. Oh, by the way, I have to pay for it with my own money because I can't work at the camp and get two hundred bucks. I mean, who cares, right? Yeah, like, that's what, what. See, Bob Bob Stoops mentioned that today. He said he wants to. He thinks it's a good rule. He wants to put a cap on it. Like, yes, you can have high school coaches work your camp, but you can't pay them any more than you know yeah, two six hundred. Yes, yeah, whatever. Six hundred dollars. He wants to stop, and he used the. I think he used the figure two hundred thousand dollars. Uh, not me. <laughs> Apparently, that was a thing that was happening. According I to think most of the one, based on the people I talk to, most of it's two fifty, three hundred, depending on which kids you bring. Uh, it's, it's a sliding scale, and depending on which school you're talking about. A lot of schools that have the close to the media camps tend to uh, invite in more people because somebody like us are there not to uh, bring attention to it. But you know these rules. You know this. It's. Are you sure? Are you sure that's that is or isn't retroactive to last year? Because, I mean, what are the first thing Matt Rule did when he came to Baylor was hire three high school coaches. Yeah, but he was fine I mean, because, and I, I asked him about this this morning. He hired those high school coaches on staff. It's cool if you want to hire a high school coach and make him a linebacker coach. It's just support coach, staff. That's right? fine. Yeah, you have to make him one of your nine now ten assistants uh, for it to be cool. You just can't make him like a quality control coach. That's that's the issue. Right, like for example, uh, Michael Johnson, who, who made all the headlines when Michigan was going to hire him as an analyst uh, because of his son. Then he ends up going to Oregon. He's their wide receivers coach. 
they're covered. Um, I think there was, I think Auburn actually hired a high school coach of a kid they signed to a support staff job. And there's another kid that's like a four star from his high school. That's where it starts to get sticky. Um, you know, at places like that. And I don't, like I said, I don't think they did anything wrong and they knew this rule was potentially coming down the pipe. So that's, that's something to pay attention to. I think we all will we'll keep an eye on that, but you know, it's, it's like our boy, uh, I don't know who said it, Bobby, ba- Tommy Bowden, one of the Bowdens, Beano Cook, you know, the, the NCAA gets so mad at USC that they put, you know, Eastern Washington on probation or whatever. And so it's just like, this is a stupid rule They're, you know, money's exchanging hands. So what? So, so now they're basically saying, instead of us giving the coach the 350 to coach the camp, we're going to have to have a booster slide him some money under the table, you know, um, which is what's going to happen. There's not, it's not going to stop the flow of money. Guess what? These camps aren't free either. When these schools have camps, they charge the kids money. So yeah, get, get out of here, NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's that's kind of you know that's kind of what the 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 nut graph on my story is going to be. I think is get out of here. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could think of another term that I'd like to use instead, but it's not safe for the podcast. So now it's time uh, that wraps up our top five. Now it's time for the tweet of the week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Uh, we're back. We 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 got a lot of laughs. By the way, I played the uh, last week's tweet of the week for some of my friends. Got some good laughs this week. We got two two tweets of the week. Ah ah ah, as the as the uh, count would say on <laughs> on uh, on uh, Sesame Street. Now, our boy Emory Jones, five star, committed to the Ohio State, as it says in his bio. He tweets uh, this past weekend. He says, "Ohio State is the only place." You can personally meet people like Phil Knight and Lou Holtz with the little fist thing up in the air. Now, I would argue that you could probably meet Phil Knight if you went to Oregon, but whatever. <laughs> or or any number of places. At the, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, right. so, so, so Jason Cook, who appears to be a Clemson fan, his handle is at the real Jason Cook, replies, who... Like, I guess he doesn't know who Phil Knight and Lou Holtz is. Uh, I think it was obviously a shot. And Emory Jones replies, who I said. (laughs) 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 Yeah, hello. It's a meaningful exchange. (laughs) Uh, My favorite one is the next one. I just pulled up the next one, man. And oh, my God. (laughs) I hadn't seen this yet. So that's the first one. So big shout to Emory Jones. I got a good laugh out of me when I read that. So we're going to, we're going with a two banger, two tweets of the week. Uh, the second one from Jaleel Irvin, who is a four star committed to Auburn. He tweeted this over the weekend. He says, "I swear the United States can't catch a break. North Carolina, or excuse me, North Korea, Cleveland, taxes, too much." <laughs> with the, that, with the, that tweet is best if you read it as if he's just like laminating the existence of these three things <laughs> North Carolina taxes Cleveland taxes, Cleveland <laughs> and then he's got the face the face palm emoji as part of that which got 23 likes for our boy Jaleel so uh I guess people are right you know what what happened in Cleveland was that where that murder happened yeah the Facebook yeah, murder oh, okay Facebook all right well that was a sad story uh, and then, and then North you know what else is a sad story? Taxes. 
Yeah. Well, you don't got to tell me. Nick Kruger's celebrating his tax return this year. Um, <laughs> you know, I was over there when, when he got the phone call from, uh, from his uh, personal accountant. And uh, I wish I could say the same for myself. But uh, anyway, now it's time for rants and recommendations. Of course, our favorite part of the podcast. Got Talk about getting feedback. I got a lot of feedback about the pickles rant. Um, people were very happy with that, despite Nick cutting, Nick editing it down. Well, maybe I have to release the director's cut um, <laughs> another time. Uh, let's start with you, Rob. You've actually got a recommendation for uh, something here. I don't know what it is. Uh, so why don't we start? Yeah, with you? there's there's a store in the East Village, but available online to everybody called Mr. Throwback. You can find this at mrthrowback.com. And what it is is kind of like you're familiar with these like consignment stores where people sell their old clothes and, you know, I would normally not be caught dead in such a place. But this is like a consignment store except it's for like only for like jerseys. <laughs> so it's this place has just got like the most like random obscure, you know, like Patrick Ewing Supersonics jerseys that people have sold to him. It's just a store full of like insane and a pretty reasonably priced uh, memorabilia and jerseys that like throwback jerseys that you can't find anywhere else. I found a, it, there's also a wrestling section, Nick, that included like shirts from SummerSlam 92. And there's a, wow. a, a denim smoking skull Austin 316 jean jacket, which which is pretty awesome. You know, you've got Carmelo Anthony Syracuse jerseys, you know, hats from the 80s and the 70s. Just about like, I think I saw a, uh, a Jason Kidd Suns jersey in there. And a lot of this stuff is online. It doesn't look like the whole library is online, uh, but a lot of it is. And it's just a really cool store. And it's all used stuff, gently used stuff. I bought a, uh, I bought an 80s Mets pitching coach jacket from from there. Uh, while I was out there, but I'll probably order more. And you know, you can find it there though. It's it's mrthrowback.com and it's just like vintage sports apparel and it's it's all pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder if they buy these jerseys. I might have some They do. Uh, they also buy them, yeah. Uh-huh. It's just like that. They yeah, buy and sell. Very interesting. I like this uh Swamp Dragons <laughs> jersey <laughs> size extra. Oh, are you on there? I just went and looked at it, yeah. So uh well, you think they could iron some of these things before they put them up on the website? Nah, you should have seen the guy that was working the, the – oh, I forgot to tell you the best part. So I went in there and bought the jacket. And you know what I got as like a throw-in? Like sometimes people give you like stickers or like a koozie. You know what I got? What? I get tickets to Bismarcky that night. And I went wow. and saw Bismarcky. Oh, yeah. Man. They were like, oh, we got, these, we got these laying around behind the counter. Do you want them? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how many do you want? <laughs> like, this is awesome. You know, so not only did I get my jacket, I also got to see Bismarcky. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. Uh, that, that's that's pretty good. Uh, so that's a good recommendation, Nick. You got anything? No. Oh boy, so you're setting the stage for me, huh? Now I kind of I kind of have to tread lightly here, uh, just because several of the people that uh, attended this bachelor party with me this weekend, or as I mentioned, I made them subscribe to the podcast. So chances are they won't listen anyway. But if they do, uh, I apologize in advance. But I'm a you know. <laughs> But I'm about to roast you. <laughs> I'm a jerk. We all know that. I don't think that's uh... so. So I came to Austin for a bachelor party, and you know Nick lives in Austin now. And it was, oh, by the way, it was my friend Zach McCann, who we've mentioned on the show before. Is his bachelor party? I believe uh, as part of the festivities, he sung the national anthem at a rugby game. I think we're going to try to put some of the audio to close out the episode this week because uh, boy, it was not great. Um, and people were really mad, by the way. So there's probably some people ranting on their podcast about him laughing mid-national anthem, which didn't go over oh, well. Man. But anyway, you got 11 guys coming into town. And, 
we get an Airbnb, and you know, of course, you know me, the opposite of uh, our colleague Greg Ladke, last one in, first one out. I'm first one in, last one out at most places I go. So I walk into this apartment, and it, it's a two-bedroom apartment for 11 dudes, right? <laughs> It's like, it's like, what happened? Where are the, where's the rest of the place? It was really frustrating. I ended up sleeping in my car the first night and, you know, I over, over sleeping next to somebody sharing a, a air mattress on the floor. Um, now Rob is a notorious bachelor party wizard. I think we all know that. Um, so Rob, what, what's your take on the poor planning? How angry should I be? Because I mean, I'm really angry. I honestly don't want to pay the guy the money because I slept in my car the first night and then I got a hotel the next two nights. Um, well, well, you know, you have to pay the money because if you don't pay the money, then everybody else has to pick up your slack. So it's, right, it's not just about, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but you can do so begrudgingly, I think. Uh, I think that it's a pretty inconsiderate way to plan a bachelor party. If it's his first one that he's been to ever, then you maybe give him a pass. But you want to talk about your all-time rookie mistakes. I mean, what you need at a bachelor party, aside from, you know, the normal cliche things, is a place to sleep because you're going to need that sleep. You're going <laughs> to you want to wake up on the floor in the morning. Trust me, I've done that. Uh, it, it's not fun. Oh, this guy, him. you should begrudgingly pay him. You should have said something to him, but you should have to pay him because you don't want to cost everybody else. You know. Well, there were a lot of a lot of sly comments that were made. The bottom line is, we're talking about professionals. You know, doctors. I, I don't know what these guys did. You know, vague tech startup jobs, things of that nature. Um, of course, Zach works at uh, Bleacher Report. So we all got jobs. So, I mean, if you're talking about spending, by the way, the cost aspect, the thing, the place costs more than $2,000. So we're not talking about, okay, we went on the cheap. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I looked up some hotels nearby. We could have gotten like four hotel rooms back to back to back for the same price. Um, so anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm so mad about it. I can't even get mad about it. As, as, uh, Was it fun? I mean, no, no, I had a great time. I had a great time. There's no doubt about that. I just don't, you know, I just don't want to pay the money. <laughs> so I guess the question is, <laughs> if, if, if the question is how upset should you be, is this the only blunder in planning that happened or was the whole thing just an unmitigated disaster? Well, well you know how it is. We kind of just floated around while, you know, the single people in the group unsuccessfully tried to hit on women. Um you know, because there's uh, 11 a guys. Part, a bachelor party tradition is all yeah, yeah, exactly. So everything was on point in terms of that. Um, as I mentioned, the, the, the he, you know, the same guy uh, who booked the room or booked the place pulled off the national anthem thing, uh, which getting a team to agree to let a stranger with no qualifications sing the national anthem <laughs> is really... Yeah, it's, a rug, it's a rugby in America. I mean. Right. Well, there were still about... There still had to be upwards of 100 people there, and not including the players um, and, and some people who are really angry about... Uh, him laughing. The laughing was the fire. I think it was a bad thing. <laughs> it was the laughing. What was he laughing at? Was he just laughing at how bad he was? Or was well, like somebody show the yeah, the aforementioned guy who uh booked the place was laughing during it. So when Zach looked over at us, saw him laughing, made him laugh. You know how it is it's like when you give him a presentation in high school or something. Hundred percent. And, and your friend's laughing makes you laugh. So let me, anyway. let me just say that going going to a, a, a rugby game in America is like the most Austin thing that I can possibly imagine <laughs> yeah. for a bachelor party. It, uh, they had some pretty good athletes out there, you know, though. I mean, I was uh, I was impressed uh, with the with the physique. You know, we could do some scouting. Talk about some hips to find out there. Um, 
we could do some serious scouting of some of those some of those players. So uh, anyway, the the bottom line is here's your recommendation: if you're going to a bachelor party, double triple check the place that's been booked uh, and bring it up. Because oh oh, that's the other thing. Here we go. Now I'm getting cooked up. The 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 main thing people said: oh, you think this place is bad? You should have seen what we were originally staying in. So this was a <laughs> this this was a changed venue. Um, that did, did, yeah, just it, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to to book a place, you know, and spend that much money. If we're poor, if we were twenty two, and I think Rob, you would agree with this, then guess what? We're all cramming in. We're sleeping on the floor, right? Because um, yeah, you don't have another option at that point, man. It's either right. you don't go or yeah, you're right. Because we're poor, we're traveling somewhere, but you know, we're not poor, despite you know all the message board posters telling me to enjoy my thirty thousand dollar a year salary. Um, yeah, we're not, we're not that poor. Nick's got tax returns. Wait, you make full. wait, you make more than thirty thousand dollars a year. I'm over here. I'm over here working for. I'm over here working for fifteen. Well, Nick's got tax return money pouring in left and right. So. <laughs> I'm recording this podcast in a closet. Yeah. Well. So am I. I have a I have a whole bedroom in my house. It's just a closet. That's how much money I make. So must be nice. <laughs> Enjoy your free hot dog. Oh, man. So anyway, Nick, you got nothing. I don't know if I have any recommendations this week. There's been a few things I've been trying to check out, but uh, I'm catching up on the old TV shows. Better Call Saul Season 3 is on. I really enjoy that show. If you if you watch Breaking Bad and you haven't watched that, I would advise uh, to get on it. But that's about it. That wraps it up. Sorry we were gone for a couple of weeks. Hope you enjoyed me talking with Michael Vick last week. Based on the numbers of people who listened to it, you did not enjoy it. Um, so. <laughs> it just means they haven't had it. They haven't given themselves a chance to enjoy it yet if they didn't listen. So. Right, that's true. That's true. You're right. So uh, I would highly recommend listening to that. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll let Zach uh, play us out with his uh, to play us out his version of uh, the national anthem, so he can be horribly embarrassed. Because guess what? More people listen to this show than we're at that game. So I want to hear as many people to hear it as possible. So Zach, take it away. Oh, the land and of-